Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to the spiritual path. Yes, I am back after a somewhat long hiatus. <laughs> Holidays came. I was sick before it, like a lot of us, um, for a very long time. But I'm back and hopefully better than ever. Um, I'm Kim Gilster, the Spiritual Synergist. You can find out more about me at my website at kimgilster.com. I offer life coaching and readings at least until January 30th, where after January 30th, I'm going to be concentrating more on just the life coaching. And today, I'm really excited because I'm welcoming my dear friend, Kelly Fitzgerald. She is one of the most dynamic, wonderful, caring, loving, giving people that I've ever met in my life. Um, And I'm really happy to have her today. So what did you want to tell the people about yourself, Kelly? Wow. First off, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for that amazing introduction. That's uh, very, very kind of you. I am an entrepreneur. That pretty much sums up everything I do. Um, You know, I I have a a publishing company that does books, and I'm a partner in a magazine and own a real estate company and do a, a whole lot of stuff. And really the whole reason I do any of it is to make the world a little bit better. So whether it's through life coaching, which I also do, whether it's through finding people the perfect property that, you know, fits their needs or whether it's helping someone get their their book and their message out into the world or helping people grow their business through Path Magazine, I do everything that I do to make the world a little bit better place and then to make people's lives a little bit easier and a little bit more joyful. So that's, that's what I do. I also have a, a lot of animals that I have rescued. I'm very huge in animal rescue. And with uh, something I really want to spend some time talking about today in um, domestic violence awareness and domestic violence resilience, you know, for lack of a better term, people, who have gone through something traumatic, whether it was actual physical abuse or emotional abuse, mental abuse, all of those things impact us deeply. And I like to help people find their own resilience in order to survive and thrive after something like that happens in their lives. Right, yeah. And you do a really good job at that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. I mean, I know that she's helped me in many, many ways. Um, the thing is, is that, well, you know, we, you actually just published a book, which is entitled Resilient. Um, mm-hmm. I was honored to be a part of that. Um, I got to write a chapter about my experiences with abuse. Um, and I'm, a, you know, I guess, I, I don't know if that I'm that different, Um you know, we all have our own path when it comes to, you know, what we've gone through with these things. And I think that just about everybody has gone through this to some extent. Right. Um, I think so, too. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, you know, I was raised in a family where I was taught to, you know, if somebody hits you to, you know, just get away, get away now, call the police, whatever you have to do, run. Um, And I did that, but 
I, and so I thought I was okay. I thought that because I didn't stay, that there was nothing wrong with me. Um, and yet, because I kept aligning over and over again with various types of, whether it was, you know, emotional abuse, just, you know, and toxic relationships, you know, I had a couple where it was, like, actually physical, um, or being with somebody who is a drug addict or, or, or you know. Um, what There was um, something, I don't want to say wrong with me, um, because there's really nobody to blame. Right. right. Okay, that's what, yeah, that's what I've learned. Um, I see a lot of people, and they're well-meaning, and they go, you know, online, or they write articles, and they keep talking about, you know, oh, look for this narcissistic person, or look for this, or look for that. You know, it's useful to mentally understand, you know, certain signs of things um, that might be abusive. Um, but that's, you know, not really highly useful. Um, and the reason that I say that is this, is that what that causes us is, is when we get into this, we get into this pattern of being a victim. So right. we're constantly, we constantly have our guard up. You know? So maybe we were, you know, in a situation where we were physically abused um, and maybe we kept going back there or not. Um, but until we really look at ourselves, that's the most important person to look at. You know, and right. we start to really, really, really heal us. You know, it doesn't matter what that person did. That was our alignment. We're the ones who aligned with that. It doesn't mean that we're to blame them. Okay, right. it's just there's a lot of societal constructs and different things that go on that teach us as children to behave in certain ways. We develop things that, yes, allow us to survive in our childhood, okay, um, and keep us from, you know, whatever sorts of what, what we think is emotional harm or, or what have you, um, because we're not oftentimes given the appropriate tools to handle the things that we need to handle. But that's the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think really, and I'm not the only person that thinks this, but I've heard many people, especially recently, talking about how we need to teach those tools to kids when they're quite young, how how to handle life as it comes at them, how to look at, things as with responsibility with this this happened I didn't like it maybe I played a part in it maybe there's something I should learn here and it doesn't mean if something horrible happens like you know people who are recently the guy who was um, a special needs person who was tortured on Facebook Live. I mean, I hear things like that, and I feel as bad for, well, my heart breaks for the victim, of course, but I also feel bad for the people who perpetrated that because these are people to me without skills, without tools, without a conscious. Somewhere along the line, we are failing our children, and we need to stop failing our kids. We need to give them tools. You know, you you mentioned something about narcissistic stuff, and and honestly, I think narcissism is kind of has become kind of a catchword. 
You know, so yeah. many people are saying, well, that was a narcissistic person. Well, you know, maybe they were. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I am not qualified to make that diagnosis. But what part did you play? Because I know when I was in a very, very abusive relationship, I know I played a part. If it was only that I stayed as long as I did, I had to take some responsibility for you know, the reason this, this lasted for so long, well, because I allowed it to last that long. <laughs> and I really, you know, it, looking back, if I had had the tools given to me as a child, you know, self-confidence, self-esteem, how to stand up for myself, I would not have stayed in that situation. And many people that I've coached through the years, and for a very long time, I kind of specialized in battered women and helping them get their lives back and reclaiming their inner strength and their inner greatness. And time after time after time, in talking with various women through the years, one thing was abundantly clear is these were women who had been little girls who were not given the tools they needed to succeed. Absolutely. You know, so, Absolutely. So how do we do that? How do we do that? I know you how must do we do that. Wow. <laughs> I know it's a it's a it's big question. It is a big question. Right. Um well I think it boils down to the individual because I too works with a lot of people. Um, you know, whether or not you're coaching somebody through having been in a a physically abusive situation or some other type of situation, you know, when people come to someone who's a coach, they're looking to, um, you know, make their lives better. And like you said, it it all boils down to not being given the tools to, you know, have that self-confidence, right? Um, And people have listened to my show before. They know, you know, that I have tools that I use to actually help to reprogram the false programs first. Because right. oftentimes as adults, you know, we, we we have it in our in our conscious mind. Okay, you know, I you know, I know what to do. If I just, you know, uh, repeat this mantra over and over, if I just be positive, if I just and then something comes back and it kicks you in the butt. Okay? Right. Um and it is your subconscious. And it will, you won't, it, it's not like you're consciously doing things to try to hurt yourself. Um, and so, yeah, I've developed tools too. That's, that's the first step. Because, again, we already know in our conscious mind most of the time, okay, what are the, you know, what are the tools by the time we get to a point where we're looking for a, a coach. Oftentimes right. we don't know that we know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. And then there's then there's other times too. Um, a lot of it has to do with you know just how we're programmed to have relationships in general. So right. one of the things that I help people with is to teach them to actually take care of themselves, to be independent. Yeah. That's one of the most important things to be. And people say, well, yeah, but you know I need somebody to take care of me. Well, yes, we all need friends and and people to help to take care of us at times and to be supportive and so forth. 
Um, but if we have this expectation, you know, that we're and we're looking outside of ourselves for somebody to complete us, nobody else can complete us. Okay, this is what we're told over and over again. It's in the media. Um, people go looking for relationships. One of the best things that my mother taught me growing up was to never look for a relationship. Okay. The reason is because when you look for a relationship, you will find one. But but the thing is, is you're looking for that relationship because you're looking to complete something that you feel empty about inside. Okay? Or sometimes people are looking for a relationship because, you know, they're looking for approval. Approval is a big thing. You know, we have to learn to seek our own approval. Yes. That's very important, yes. you know. Yes. Um, because what happens quite miraculously, at least that's the way that it feels at times, is that when we approve of ourselves, other people begin to approve of us. Yes. People that throughout our whole lives, like maybe our parents, <laughs> um, start to approve of us. <laughs> You, you, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy because it's, it's not a space of resistance, though. People often get that confused. They yes, think, they do. You know, yeah, that this attitude, that you're supposed to have this attitude, I don't care what anybody thinks. Well, you know, of course you care what other people think to a certain extent. But caring about other people okay, is not the same as need for approval from them. Okay? So, in a relationship, your closest relationship, if you're not looking for approval from that person, okay, then what you're open to is being able to unconditionally love yourself. And because you're able to unconditionally love yourself, you're able to unconditionally love them. Me first. That is my mantra. It is the mantra that I give everybody. It is not selfish. It is the most selfless mantra that you could have. Okay? Because when you love yourself unconditionally, it opens you up to loving everybody unconditionally. Just like we were just talking about how we have a tendency to blame. Yes. Right? We blame and we judge because we blame and we judge ourselves subconsciously. Because we don't have that self-love because we don't put ourselves first. Now, I work with a lot of people who have kids. And people, you know, especially when single women or single parents um, will come to me and say, well, you know, I've got to put my kids first, Kim. No. No, when they start putting themselves first, what they find is they have so much more energy to give to their kids. Not exactly. only that, but they have the tools, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that, that, that is huge. Right. Yeah. That that is huge. And you know, I wanna I wanna kind of expand on that a little bit because that is such a huge thing and it is so oftentimes ignored even by organizations that help people come out of traumatic relationships or a traumatic event, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, 
you're never going to be able to really, truly take care of anyone else. That's just like loving yourself. You have to love and accept yourself before you can really accept love and acceptance from anybody else. That's just the way it works. And I think we need to teach people, and even girls, this seems to be more prevalent with women than men. For some reason, men don't tend to feel. Now, that's not true because I know some men that do, but um, it's more prevalent among women who have been in an abusive relationship, and they feel like they need to make it up to their kids somehow. So, and I did this myself. There was a time when my Mm -hmm. daughter was quite young where I would not, I, I wouldn't eat. I would go through whatever restaurant or fast food restaurant, I would grab a handful of ketchup packets and a cup. Usually I would ask them for just an extra cup. And not one person ever asked me why. They just gave me the cup. And I would go in the bathroom and I would run warm water in the cup and I would open ketchup packages and stir it until I had the consistency of tomato soup. And that was what I lived on for weeks at a time because I wanted to make sure that my daughter eating And while I know a lot of people said, well, yeah, of course, because you brought this human being into the world, you should totally have done that. But what I was doing, what that was telling me subconsciously, I was telling myself that I wasn't worthy of eating a decent meal. I was telling myself that that is all that I was worth was, you know, making tomato soup out of ketchup packets. And it wasn't until years and years later when I started doing some really deep inner work that I realized, oh, my God, I'm still doing that. You know, it was years later that I was still somehow punishing myself, feeling I wasn't worthy of decent food. And that is really the foundation of taking care of yourself is giving your body proper nutrition. So we really need to look at ourselves first rather than looking at what we're, you know, taking care of other people around us. You really have to give yourself that foundation first. You know, I've I've seen this Facebook meme several times that you cannot continue pouring from an empty pitcher. And that's what so many people do. They give and give and give and give until they've given away themselves. And then they end uh, really unhealthy, probably depressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a number of things that come from that. So I think that's another thing we need to teach our children a little bit better. And set the example for your kids. How many people do you know that have kids that have really set a good example for them? I know very few, honestly. If I'm, if I'm brutally honest, I know a few. Because that's what right, we, we show too. our kids. You know, we show our kids, oh, you're mm-hmm. supposed to put yourself last. Oh, you're not supposed to take care of yourself. You're supposed to take care of everybody else first. Oh, you're just supposed to to put up with people treating you poorly. That's what our kids see when they look at us doing those things. So it's really yes. important, you know, to, to stop that. We need to break that cycle and realize that we all have, a responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves first. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know of, you know, a, a, a very dear friend of mine who has three kids, is a single mother. And, mm-hmm. you know, she had to learn to put herself first. She was always putting, you know, she was in a um, a relationship. It wasn't physically abusive. It was very emotionally abusive, which sometimes it's actually very, it's worse. Um Obviously, the physical abuser a lot most of the time is also emotionally abusive. But, um, right. but I mean, I've been in situations where it was, you know, it got to a point where the emotional abuse was so bad that there's times that I wish they would hit me, <laughs> so that there could be some relief of it. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that this person with three children, she she's really learned to put herself first. And in doing so, is able to create so much more for her children, you know, right. is right. able to say, like, I have the energy now. I have the energy now. And instead of saying, like, oh, always me, you know, I'm the single mother and feeling bad, you know, she's able to say, well, you know, yeah, this is a challenge, but I can do this, okay? And my kids are going to be taken care of, and we're going to have this sort of food. And, you know, and it took a little while. There was a lot of challenges in the way. And every day I see her, every day I see that she just gets better and better and better. You know? Yeah. She just recently landed her dream job, you know, after doing Yay. this for only about six months. Yeah, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> it's really and awesome. She, you know? I mean, and she's, that's, and she's actually that's really important. together to teach single moms how to do these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really important, seeing someone do the inner work and supporting them and, you know, telling them how, how proud of you that, you know, how proud of them that you are because those little things make a huge difference. It it takes just a second to say, you know what, I, I'm really proud of you for, for doing the inner work or for getting this great job or for making positive changes. And yet to that person that we say these things to, it means the world. You know, nothing made a bigger impact on me when I was at my darkest times than having someone who had seen what I had gone through say, you know what, I'm really proud of you for not giving up. Yeah, That is such a huge, huge thing. And it's such a simple thing for us to do. And yet we don't do that often enough. And that would go a really long way towards helping each other heal as well. Just those simple, simple things. Right, yeah, it's really, it's very important to have the support group. Um, you know, I didn't realize it until I ended up in um, a home, um, in a shelter. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, like, oh, you know, I was just like so alone in this. Um, but when I was in that shelter, it just, you know, it was just so useful just to have other people to talk to who had experienced similar things. You know, right. and that it wasn't this horrible, bad person um, that I was feeling like I was. Um, even though there was, you know, again, my conscious mind understood that I hadn't done anything wrong per se, you know, that I, there was no way I could have caused somebody to beat the crud out of me, right? Um, but then there was the subconscious that was, you know, oh, you know, I'm a horrible person. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve, I don't deserve, I don't deserve. So to have somebody, like you said, come in and say to you, you do. 
and really, yes. really mean it, you know, and really know that. Um, it's just, it makes all of the difference. You know, I was um, listening to Madonna here recently. I don't know if you've seen the video of her acceptance speech for the Billboard Awards. Have you seen that? No, I have not. You must watch it. It's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) But for those of you who haven't seen it, um, she goes on and she talks about resilience. She talks about how she was in this apartment in, I believe it was New York City, and, you know, people were, you know, constantly breaking in to the point where she just stopped locking her door. And um, she was mugged so many times. Her friends were dying of AIDS and nobody cared. Um, right. She'd been, you know, through these abusive relationships over and over again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, and the reason I bring this up is because when I heard her give this speech, it reminded me. It reminded me how what it takes is resolved inside the cell. Yes. Okay. If you want something enough, you can get it. But you have to really want it. Okay? And that the most successful people are always the ones who have been through the most. And when I say success, I don't mean, you know, just money and wealth and we all know that there's those people out there that are, you know, they have all this money and uh, you know, they don't have any love. We all right people, right? They don't have people around them that love them, that support them. Um, they don't, it doesn't feel good when they speak to you. Um, right. We've all had bosses like that, right? <laughs> this yep. is not what I call success. No. <laughs> success is happiness. Whatever that means for you. It's right. a very individual thing. You know, um, so, but in order to have that success, we do have to have a strong resolve. We have to, and that resolve gives us patience. It gives us fortitude. It makes it okay that I'm having a bad hair day. And you know what? I just want to cry right now and I'm going to cry. And I'm going to feel angry. And I can love every single part of who I am. Because there's nothing wrong with anger. And there's nothing you know, wrong with sadness. That's really important to to make people understand too or to to keep repeating until people get it. How many times, uh, especially it seems over the last couple of years when everybody in the world has become a life coach, how many times have you heard someone say, um, you know, think positive, think positive, think positive? And yet we don't always, yeah, and yet we don't always think positively. So what I realized, you know, we all have a dark side. We all get angry. We all say things that we later regret. When you get to the point where you can love yourself, even that dark part of you that sometimes gets angry and sometimes gets sad, it's a lot easier to handle the bad times because you can laugh at them. I mean, you know, I, I had a, a really bad day several, this has been several years ago now. And I just, I was just really fit to be tied. I, I had had a real estate 
problem that was no fault of anyone's. Um, it was just a timing thing. And that meant that we didn't have a closing that day. And I was getting an angry call from the buyer's agent and I was getting an angry call from my sellers and the title company was telling me, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. And then on top of all of that, one of my friends called me and was crying and, and somebody else was, was upset about their book didn't get out on time. And I was just, you know what, enough. So I went outside and I live in the middle of nowhere and I just yelled, you know, several colorful words that we probably shouldn't repeat here. But, um, (laughs) Then I realized how angry I was. And then I started laughing because I was so angry. And I thought, how must this look to my spirit guides or my angels or whatever you believe in? How must this look to others? (laughs) They must really be rolling on the floor (laughs) watching this. And then I, I sort of stepped outside myself and looked at myself and went, oh, God, that's hysterical. That's just so funny. Oh, my God, why are you so angry? And once I had that release, I was able to let it go, and I was able to realize I was not a failure because I'd had a bad day. I was not a failure because I got angry. I was just blowing right. off steam. And my personal opinion is that if you're trying to force yourself to think positive all the time and you never allow yourself that opportunity to let your dark side blow off some steam – and let go of some of that anger, and let go of some of that sadness. It's just going to get buried into your psyche, into your subconscious. And then at some point in the future, it's going to erupt, and you're not going to understand why. So I think right. it's and really important. And in all actuality, that's part of how, I just, I, I, I'm interrupting you, but that's part of no, how we okay. end up in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Because exactly. we become, we're, we're trying so hard to avoid what we perceive as being dark or what we perceive as being negative, which I found, and it's not, okay? It's just simply a part of me. And the more that I accept it, the more that I actually am able to use it as a guide, as a way to actually, you know, move forward in love. Because that's, that's, that's still love, you know? People think that love is all this nice stuff where they, you know, this is, this is part of why we end up blaming because this is negative, this is positive. It's all of this duality that we get stuck in. Right. And duality right. is an illusion. There is no duality, okay? It just is. So it's just having, how do you have a different perspective to look at something and how, how is this useful? So I run across something that's challenging, and I just go like, okay, how is this useful? I'm going to surrender to it. Because that's what you were doing. When you just blew that off, you were like, I'm going to surrender to these feelings that I'm having right now. And then, like you said, you were able to laugh at it. And, oh, well, you know, don't I feel, you know, funny or whatever um, because I was just, you know, I was just, not seeing, because you weren't, you were just not seeing what was going on. And, and we all get into that place, and, and that's a place that we're actually supposed to get into sometimes because it gives us a challenge, you know. But right. going back to the, how it gets you into an abusive relationship, when we're constantly trying to be nice, this is, and again, this is something that as with people, I call it people who are born with vagina, okay, 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. <laughs> so because we're given this particular gender role, you know, it is a construct, okay, that, you know, we're told be nice. Be nice. Right. Constantly, right? You don't hear those born with penises being nice. Right. Okay. Right. They're not they're not given that program that they should always be nice. Right? Right. So yeah. <laughs> so more so more often than not, you know, the person who wasn't given that program of being nice doesn't feel a need to always be nice. And so when they align with the person who is more like the caretaker is basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. What happens is they get irritated. They get irritated because the person who's the caretaker expects the person, the other person to be nice. Okay. Right. <laughs> and their and their programs are be tough, be strong. Right. What do you right. mean? Boys so they're cry. projecting yeah. the be tough. Right. But then they project the be tough, be strong onto the person who's got the be nice. Right. And then the be nice person projects the the false program of be nice onto the one that, you know, right. <laughs> and it's just like all crazy because, you know, this, this person is being told like, oh, I have to be the strong one and, you know, like carry everything in that way. And the, and the one that's the be nice is more like, you know, oh, I've got to like carry the emotional burden of my whole relationship and my children's emotional burden and everything on myself. Those are the programs. Those are the essential programs. So until we get out of those programs, okay, and they are gendered. And when I say this, it triggers the crud out of everybody, but they are, okay? Yes, they are. These are programs. They are not natural. They are not love. And I can't stress that enough. And they're just not. It's not because I was born with a vagina. I have no resentment, Okay. I've been in relationships with people with penises that worked very, very well and were the most unconditionally loving relationships I've ever had in my life, okay? And it wasn't because of anything except for, you know what, we came together. We came together and we were independent and we gave each other that and we just supported supported each other. Right. And the reason that I'm not in those relationships anymore is because I still have an unconditionally loving relationship with those people. It can be done. That's another thing. <coughs> you know, people it, well, stay yeah. in relationships and then they become toxic. Yep. <clears throat> because they're staying in a situation where they can see that no matter what they do, it, it, it's no longer possible for those people to be happy. Right. You know, and then they get right. very abusive towards each other in whatever way. Yeah. Where, yeah, the unconditionally loving thing to do is just to let go. Somebody else will come into your reality if that's what you really want, okay? And it might not necessarily look like a romantic relationship. It can look like other relationships, whatever. Right. It's, Love, it's all love. 
Okay, we put we put these labels on our relationships, and then we put these dynamics on our relationships. This is supposed to look this way because I'm a friend with this person. This is supposed to look this way because they're my child. This is supposed to look this way because they're my spouse. This is supposed to look right. another way because, you know, it's my parent, whatever, or coworker. Love is love. And that sounds so trite, but it's so true. Well, and I, I want to add something to that. Um, in the West, it's not so much in, in European countries or, or other, other places in the world, but in the U.S., we tend to associate love with sex. And yeah. I was witness to a near brawl one time because a friend of mine, and someone I know quite well, they're, they've been friends for a long time, were on the phone. And someone's boyfriend was listening. Well, first off, he, had, he shouldn't have been eavesdropping in the first place. That's rude. But here he was. And he heard my friends tell her friend, I love you. Uh, I will see you later. Bye. And he absolutely exploded because in his mind, that meant she was having, she was cheating on him. Wow. And, yeah, I've seen yeah, that. And, and, yeah, and we can go on and on and on with, with you know, what um, obviously he has security issues and all of these things. But that really drove home the point that um, I tell my friends I love them all the time. And I think, and I, I someone asked me why. Why, does, why are you comfortable with this and nobody else, you know, I, I'm not or, or I'm not or this person's not. And I think it, it goes back to I lost a lot of people early on in my life. So it was really driven home, the point that we don't know how long we have with our loved ones mm-hmm. was really driven home to me. So every opportunity that I have with my friends, and it doesn't matter, male friend, female friend, whoever, whatever, um, and family, I tell them I love them because you don't know when you're not going to have that chance again. Uh, one of my best friends, her husband was on his way to work. He was on a motorcycle. A deer ran across in front of him, and he was killed. And when I, by the time I got to her, she told me, she says, oh, my God, the, the last thing I told him was, can you pick up milk on your way home? The last thing I told him should have been, I love you. But the last thing I said to him was, can you pick up milk on the way home? And that really stuck with me too. You know, we don't know how long we have with each other. So love is so important. And you should always tell your friends and loved ones that you love them. And love is all there is, really. I mean, when it comes down to it, love is the most important thing. We are love. You know, the the world Absolutely. would be a much... even when you're even when you're fighting. I've done that before. Yes, you know <laughs> where you're like in a fight, and you go, "I love you, but I need space. I love you," and then you like, you know, <laughs> it's like, but it, right, it, well, it diffuses it to a certain extent, and not, you know, I wouldn't do it out of a space of control because it's very different if you do it out of the space of, well, if I say I love you to this person, this person's going to calm down. 
Uh, right, no. No, I'm only responsible for my own feelings, you know. Right. But especially in that situation, I'll say it for this a similar reason. It's just because I don't want it. I don't want them to leave my life, however that looks like, without them knowing that they're still loved by me. Right. You know, because no matter what, I will still always love them. You know, even the people that you know beat me, I still love them. Right. And to say that you don't, I think is, I think you haven't gone deep enough. <laughs> right. Well, because and, you wouldn't have been too, if you didn't have some love anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And two, it's important to remember to tell ourselves we love ourselves because we're really good about beating ourselves up. But we're really good about pointing out what we think we should have done better. But you know what? Every day, and I, I have my coaching clients do this at the end of every day, write down how much you did that you really enjoyed doing and how much you love yourself for giving yourself the ability to do those things. Yeah. And initially, and speaking, a lot of people, they, uh, they won't have a lot because we don't allow ourselves the luxury of doing those things that we love very often. But after a while, people start realizing that, hey, this is part of taking care of myself. I need to do this. So it, it's, it's kind right. of an effective Absolutely. exercise. Yeah. Uh, no, it totally yeah. is. It's, you know, when I wrote the chapter that I wrote for the book, um, and that's what it reminded me of um, in a way. It's, it's similar. It was a similar exercise um, mm-hmm. in that what it did was for me, you know, I was writing about, you know, okay, here's basically my whole life, you know, my relationships, um, which took me through my whole life. Uh, <laughs> and in doing so, it actually, I had to think about a lot of things in my life, you know, right. to put that all into context. Um, not just the relationships themselves. So what that one of the main things that that did for me was for me to be able to look at my life, you know, very much more succinctly and see, wow, look at all the things that I've done. Right. It made right. it much more solid, you know. Like, sure, you know, you know, I've done this or I've done that or I've done that, but. Like you, you know, one of the things, one of the assignments I sometimes give my coaching clients is to, you know, recently after I did that, is to write down your, you know, the story of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Whether, you know, I mean, journaling is useful. I've done a lot of journaling in my life. Very useful, you know. But there comes a point where you, you sort of get to whatever that point is in your reality where it becomes useful to actually write down the history of your life. And that really spurs you forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you can say, look, I accomplished this and I accomplished that and I've done that and I've done that. Well, you know, I was like that when I was 18 and, you know, here I am at 30 and I'm like nothing like that. Wow. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, it really... Even if it's just I survived this, and a lot of people that I've worked with, mm-hmm. that's where they start. You know, they, they start with what they've survived. 
that really does help build up your your sense of self and and how powerful each and every one of us really are. So that's that's an awesome right. exercise for people to do. It is. It is. That's why it was like such a wonderful opportunity for me. I had, you know, not realized how important that was. How important it was to just like take it from point A to point to the end, you know? Right. And to like and just sit there. It was like it was like at the end of it I was sitting there going like Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this has been such an incredible journey. And, you know, I know that I certainly haven't lived a mundane life. Um, (laughs) No. You know, yeah. (laughs) And people used to, you know, they used to say or have, they still say this to me, but, um, oh, wow, Kim, you know, you should write about your life. You know, Kim, you, you really lived this really incredible life. To me, it didn't feel that way. Right. But when I wrote even the chapter, it just, it was like, wow. Now I see yeah. what, I'm starting to see what they talked about, you know, what it is that they've said that you, you need to do this. Because, again, I'm living this life. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, and when I read the stories, one of the things that um, I wanted to mention, because we have concentrated on, you know, the male, female thing, um, was that, as we, you know, as I said when we started out, people, um, all people experience this, okay? It's not something that because you're a woman and you're heterosexual, you experience it. Um, Right. In the LGBT community, okay, um, it happens, and it happens quite often. Um, I remember years ago, I lived next to a a male gay couple, um, and, you know, the gentleman was being abused. One of the guys was being abused by his partner, um, physically abused, and he had nowhere to turn except me. Right. And the reason for that is because, you know, people tend to design things. Again, there's that whole gender thing, right? They tend to design things around, you know, just the victim perpetrator, blame fault, you know, and somehow people with vaginas are somehow weaker, and so they're the victim no matter what. Um, it's, it's, and it's an automatic. I see people do it all the time, you know. Right. And for, a, you know, a gay man to, you know, be being beaten by his partners, you know, and then there's like this stigma that comes along with that, well, it's because you're gay, that you deserve it right. because you're gay, because, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm so thankful that nowadays, um, I know here in Los Angeles at the LGBT Center, um, that they do have counseling for that, that they do have groups for that. Thank goodness. You know, it's a, it's a rather new thing within the LGBT community. Um, but it's needed, it's important. It's important for men to have it, heterosexual men, you know? Right, because it's, you know, they go through it, and they go through things um, maybe not, you know, as direct, maybe it's not physical, 
but they certainly go, oh, my gosh, you know, how many times have I seen men who are in relationships where they're totally being emotionally abused? Yeah. You know? And yet, for them to admit that, oh, you know, I'm a man, that's not happening to me. And then we look <laughs> into a woman and we just go, oh, she's a nag, right? Really? <laughs> right. Right. No, she's, you know, I mean, and, and again, that's when we, we can we can see that, you know, and it, again, it's a back and forth, but, you know, I was, you know, raised with um, a dad who is more the complaint type, if you will. You know, he's a very strong person, trust me, um, but he's definitely more the complaint type, where my mother is more of the, you know, the outward rule, the roost type of person. Um, And they've gone through a lot in their marriage. Um, But, you know, my parents have shown me a lot. I'm I'm very fortunate to be from a family where my parents really do unconditionally love each other. Right. You know. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, they didn't have a lot of the tools to give me, you know that I have now. And it's been really great that I've been able to, through through my uh, working on approval, <laughs> not needing any approval, um, you know, I've very recently been able to really, really start to have a, a wonderful relationship with them. I mean, so it's it's possible. <laughs> you know, again, it's not. It and it's not possible. just about romantic relationships or whatever. Yeah, I'm not saying it's possible in all cases because it's not. Okay, right. I do have a few people that I work with who, you know, no matter what they've done, um, I guess that person, their parents, I remember, is just not conducive to a healthy life for them. That does right. happen. And, and it does happen. Um, and if it if that's the case yeah. in somebody listening, don't beat yourself up for not being able to overcome that whatever it is that's keeping you from have that having that relationship. Because truly, some people are toxic in lives, and unfortunately, some of the most toxic people that I've seen in my clients that I've coached have been family members. And you mm. don't keep subjecting yourself to that type of abuse if that is your situation. Absolutely, you know, and I I do that too. You know, we just went through the holidays. And, you know, I see a lot of people complaining and saying, oh, you know, I have to go and be with this family. But my thing is, if you don't want to do it, if it's not something in your heart that you feel good about doing, don't do it. It doesn't matter that they're family members. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter what doesn't. society thinks you should do. You know, don't pay attention to what anybody else thinks you should do. Follow your own heart. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, why put yourself in, in, in it, you know, at a time of the year where you're supposed to be surrounded by love and feel like you are loved, put yourself in a situation where you feel the opposite for whatever reason. You know, that, again, right. that can change. I've had a lot of people where that did end up changing. But part of the reason that it ended up changing is because they took themselves out of the equation for a while and gave themselves enough time to heal away from the situation. Right. 
you know. So, yeah, so it can, you know, again, it's just everybody's unique, whatever their relationships are and so forth and how they deal with them is unique, which is why they need coaches. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, and, you know, you know I want to say something about, too, if if you are in a situation where you're trying to rebuild your self-esteem after coming out of a domestic violence situation or even just long-term um, mental abuse or being browbeat through work or through school or through whatever, find a coach that has a similar background. There is a lot to be said for having been there. And so often I have seen coaches say, oh, yes, I can coach everyone on every situation. And maybe they can, maybe, but I think there is something to be said for empathy. And when you have a coach, when you're, if you're going to pay someone to be your coach, be choosy about who you choose. You know, it is your decision. Don't buy into the, well, everybody else says this person is greater, that person is greater, whatever. Because all what matters is, is this person able to relate to you and your situation and help you work through it? And some right, coaches exactly. can like and some I've people come to me. Right, I've had people come to me and they're saying, you know, oh, well, I've got this situation. I mean, most situations, yes, I can empathize with. Um, but, and, and people, you know, people think it's strange because I'm actually able to empathize with people who have penises. But um, <laughs> but it's true, I can. Um, but part of that is because, you know, I'm an Army veteran and I, you know, and I'm not, not in touch with, you know, a lot of those aspects of myself. Um, so that people label male, right? Um, right. But, but yeah, it's, it's, um, actually, I can't, well, anyway, that's all different. Um, <laughs> but I've had people that come to me and, you know, they have a certain unique type of situation, you know, where I feel like, you know, I'm really not the one for you. I'm just not. It's just, you know, it's just like if you go and you get a therapist. You need someone who who speaks to you, that touches you, where because it's it's there's a lot of trust involved in it. You know, if you don't feel like right. you can trust this person on whatever level, don't use them because you're probably right. not going to get very far, and you're just going to exactly. feel beat up. You right. know, and that's the opposite of what we want to accomplish, right? Even though as a coach, sometimes I yell at people. But <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think really sometimes as a coach, we have to yell at people. Yes. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's, that's what's funny is because I see a lot of people, that, oh, I'm a life coach. That means I'm just always nice. No, you know, because the thing is, it's, right. it's something that my first spiritual teacher that used to, she used to yell at me. And she would say, I'm talking to your ego, not to you. <laughs> And that was true. Because when I yell, and again, it usually doesn't happen in the beginning um, because it's more of a getting to know each other thing. Um, even though they're getting tools, definitely in the beginning. It's um, it's not usually until we get, like, really down and dirty that that starts happening. And I'm not doing it from the space of, you know, I'm angry. It's just, a forceful energy because they're not hearing, you know. Right. 
Um, and it's just a useful tool, right? Which is why in sports and things like that, the coaches use that tool. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Anyway, we have four minutes left, so is, is there anything that we forgot to share that you wanted to share? I don't think so. I would like to encourage people to check out the magazine. It's at um, www.path, P-A-T-H-E, magazine.com. PATH actually stands for Purpose Aligned to Heighten and Expand, which is why there is an E on the end of PATH. Uh, they can check out my publishing company, ibilanepress.com, which is I-B-B-I-L-A-N-E-P-R-E-S-S.com. Uh, if you have a book or you have a book in you and need help getting that into book form, reach out. I work with uh, authors all the time who um, really aren't sure how to write. So it's um, right. and a, not only a that, fairly you easy do process. Else. Yeah, you do something else that almost like I've never heard of another publisher doing this. She actually helps you to promote your books. Yes. Imagine yes, that. I do, because I am a writer. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, which is part of what makes that wonderful. But I actually um, did put the um, the uh, URL. Yeah, blah, 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 what am I thinking? The URL to um, Ibeling Press is on the description of this show, um, as well as the latest book, Resilient. And, um, yeah, again, I'm Kim Gilster, the Spiritual Synergist. If uh, you're interested in coaching or I'm still doing some readings until the end of the month, you can go ahead and check out my website, which is at kimgilster.com. Again, the link is right there for you to click on the description of the show. At any rate, I will be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for being with me today, Kelly. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been fun. (laughs) I agree. Well, (laughs) see you around. Bye-bye. Bye.